Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And thankfully today, despite the poor weather that we're having, especially it sounds like a Matt's neck of the woods up in the Madison area with a lot of snow, Badger are on a wood streak, which uh, for Wisconsin basketball, it does not come often. There's been a lot of ups and downs in this season, but we'll talk about the big win. I know it uh, was a lowly 7-18 and 18 Nebraska team, but it's a Big Ten road win, which has been very hard to come by. So we'll talk about that. We'll get into the Purdue game, and then we'll kind of look at maybe some Big Ten standing stuff. And then in the back half of the show, we will continue our position preview, as we always have, and we're going to get into the defensive line position. It's a position that uh, historically Wisconsin has kind of struggled with, but I think there's some really good players that will be returning for this class uh, or this group for 2020. So it should be fun conversation in that Matt how you doing today I'm doing good you know I'm doing better than the weather here uh so I'm really looking forward to doing some shoveling uh here get the snowblower out but um other than that I'm doing great it is nice to see the Badgers put string together two consecutive wins though I'll tell you that yeah it's it's a road win like we mentioned against a you know it's it's a bottom tier team in, in Nebraska they've had some serious struggles and are certainly rebuilding but anytime you can make start a win streak at a crucial time and get a win on the road, when you look at the Big Ten standings, you know all these road teams and road records are just abysmal. So anytime you can get a road win is important. I mean, you look at Maryland, who's at the top of the conference, four and four away from their home court. Penn State five and three, Michigan State four and four, Rutgers one and six away from them, uh, away from home. So these road wins are important no matter uh, who the opponent was, and it just feels good to to really beat up on a team that, that you had no business being even close with. I know the first half was a little, uh, you know, it was kind of a feeling out half, but that second half, the Badgers just really took it to them, which was nice to see. Yeah, I mean, that fir- the first half was just kind of, Wisconsin really struggled on the defensive end there. There was way too many uh, easy cutters and layups that, that uh, Nebraska was able to get, but then Wisconsin was able to figure out um, kind of how Nebraska wanted to attack Wisconsin with their tempo, um, trying to get as many possessions as they can, which is how they do. Um, but I thought Wisconsin just really just delivered the the haymakers, though, in the second half and, and did some really good stuff, um, especially from behind the arc. They shot extremely well uh, in the second half and, and just kind of buried them. I mean, they, they nearly shot 50% from the three-point arc, which is damn near unheard of. So I thought overall really uh, good game. It also was uh, nice to see them kind of play with the tempo that they can because there is going to be times, especially when you get into postseason play, where you might have to play a team who's going to try to speed you up. Wisconsin usually tries to slow it down, but you need to balance it and play both ways because you need a double tournament. Exactly. You're going to have teams that, that pick up the pace, and you have to be able to – maybe you're not super comfortable with it internally and, and completely, but you have to be able to do it in case you get into those. Or if you're in a case where you're down – you know. Uh, 10 points and you need to pick up the pace a little bit Wisconsin they're they're great same with the football team they're great when they've got a lead and they can work clock and they can play their game but when you when you get into a fast-paced you know type game in an environment like that it's going to be important for this team to 
to play well and play fast, and they certainly did that. I mean, putting up 81 points is not something that you're going to see a lot from Wisconsin, but it is nice to know that if if things are clicking on both ends of the floor, that, that they can bring out and, and put on a show like that. I think it really started with, though, the, the big performance from, from Brad Davison. Obviously, the game before, I think the podcast before, after the uh, Ohio State and Minnesota games, we were not so much critical, but we were kind of questioning what was going on with Brad Davison. His He had four points in both of those contests, really was a no-show in the Ohio State and Minnesota games, and then came out at Nebraska and put together 30 points. So, Matt, what did you see from maybe his game from you know the, the cold streak that it was on to just a you know one of his best career games uh, last time out? Yeah, I think he must listen to the pod is really, I think, all it comes down to, really. But, uh, no, I thought he, you know, he shot really well, and he he sought his shot, which I think was important. Oftentimes he can kind of get lulled in and and forget to really push. But you, you also look, he got involved in the rebounding department with five rebounds, got was passing the ball well with four assists. So I thought Demetric Trice really did a nice job of finding him. And I thought Brad Davison did a good job of letting things come to him, not forcing it, his shot, but instead looking for his shot, being aggressive. And and they just were falling. He was, he was on fire, just torching the net. So uh, kudos to him for t- turning it around because Wisconsin's got guys who can score. They've got a lot of guys who can, um, you know, are capable of dropping a 30-point game. Um, but it, they, they really need to work through one another. And I thought the Badgers did a really good job. 19 assists. They passed really well. And that was a big reason for Brad Davison being open and nailing those shots was just the really nice ball movement that they had going on. Because uh, you can see sometimes they get glued up. But in this one, they did a really nice job uh, with some skip passes and some inside-outside game and, and really uh, just – played really well offensively, especially in that second half where they were 9 of 13 from the three-point line. Yeah, they all put together a you know, good effort. When you look at the stat sheets, you know, Reavers had 13, Trice had 15, Davison 30, Potter had 15. All these guys, Brevin Pritzel didn't have a huge game, but he doesn't have to when you're putting together points like that. Even Aleem Ford didn't really do much in terms of scoring, but he picked up 10 rebounds, which is going to be important for a guy like him who sometimes can – can drift to a corner and, and not really get on the glass or, or get down inside to to have another guy like that outside of Reavers and, and Potter that can make a difference. Rebounding the basketball is important. So really it was a, a solid team effort that I think helped Brad Davidson, like you mentioned, get open, find his shots, and then his shot was really just was knocking down. You can see Brad Davidson when he really starts shooting well, you can see the just the confidence in the jumper. It looks more smooth and mechanical. I noticed that on a couple of his threes where he got the ball and he knew it was going up, and it, it kind of looked like as soon as it left his hand, it was going in because he just he had that hot streak. And Wisconsin usually for for shooters when they when they get on those hot streaks like that, usually it's at the Kohl Center. It's not usually at uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena like it was in Nebraska. Usually on the road, this team kind of struggles to find their shot. So to see guys moving well, passing well, and knocking down open jumpers was a welcome sight because you're going to get into these neutral court games in the Big Ten and NCAA tournament where that's going to be important to, to, to knock down shots consistently away from home. 
Yeah, and I thought I thought really he was doing a good job of being like under his elbow was underneath his body. Oftentimes uh, this year when he's really struggled, he kind of gets that little elbow out where it's it's almost Lonzo Ball esque, where it's like, dude, come on. So I think he was just in rhythm. He was comfortable with this shot. Um, he obviously had been working on it uh, all all year long because uh, it, it it was something that he struggled with last year. But for him to get that, uh, I think him and Pritzel have need to be a guy be one of the guys to drop you know 15 20 here every once in a while and and show one of these guards guys got to pick it up because trice you know he had a perfect game in my eyes you know you go 15 5 and really distribute the ball well no turnovers uh i think if they can get that from him and then you get one either pritzel or davison to step up they'll be in good hands but uh one of them has to do it um and i also thought aleem ford you you mentioned his offensive game, but I did think he he uh, helped him out big time in the rebounding department, led the team and that uh, way, even though that's usually not his game, like you said. So I thought he played good in that way as well because it was, it was like you said, a complete team effort despite um, some really poor shooting from the guys outside of the four you mentioned in Potter, uh, Davison, Trice, and Reavers. Yeah, it's it was a great team win. You you need some of those, and you need them away from home. I know it's Nebraska, but every game in this in this conference counts right now. And I think it was it, it was really a confidence booster for this team to get good play out of, of both of those guys. And you talked about it again. We've talked about it a few times now. Like you mentioned, it's got to be Pritzel or Davison. They both don't have to go off. They both don't have to you know have games like they've had the last two. But one of them has to contribute, you know, consistently to to really open up this offense and open up this team. And so far, you know, these last few games, we've got it from both of them. And if they both really start to hit and get hot like they can, I think this offense can get pretty scary. If you're gotten, if you get Demetrius Trice, who's fine and open guys, you've got Reavers and Potter and and maybe Ford getting in on the on the boards and and putting back shots and and getting in the low post. And then if you've got Davison and, and Pritzel knocking down shots, this team can get dangerous. And if they're shooting well, they're a team that you probably don't want to play because they, they don't just do it on the offensive side of the football or football on the offensive <laughs> side of, <laughs> of the court. They do it you know, on the defensive end too. And they, they consistently this season been a better defensive team. So if they're putting in shots, this team can be scary down the stretch here. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, also thought Micah Potter played really well. You saw Reavers miss most of the first half, only played four minutes there uh, in the first half. But I thought Micah Potter picked it up him up really nicely. He struggled a little bit in the second half, kind of hit a few turnovers. But um, and, but then Reavers kind of shined in that second half. So it was it was good that those two can kind of swing that pendulum back and forth between one another and help each other out, uh, kind of carry the load because. Uh, it helped that Nebraska is a smaller team, so we can't see that going on in, in Purdue where um, they both, like maybe one guy's really struggling because they're going to both be called upon um, due to the size and physicality of Purdue. But but it was good to see that one could pick up the other one and pick up the slack when they needed it. Yeah, it's been a big change since early on when, when Potter returned. These two couldn't even be on the floor together. So to, to have that dynamic working back and forth of those two is going to be huge down the stretch. Let's talk about that Purdue game a little bit. Obviously, a huge game tomorrow night, if you're listening. So tonight, when you'd probably be listening, as this gets released on Tuesday, at home against Purdue, 6 o'clock at the Kohl Center. Last time out at Mackey Arena, the Badgers really didn't do anything well. Uh, a 70-51 to 51 loss, really shot the, bar, shot the ball poorly from deep. 
it, it was a just an ugly game, one of the uglier ones of of the season. Evan Boudreaux dominated them, and and really just not a game that Badger fans want to dig back up. But the nice part is that they come in winners of two straight. Purdue's been up and down since that moment. So what uh, what do you think needs to change, and what do you expect from that game uh, Tuesday night? I, I think the Badgers will come out ready to play. I think they're going to be seeking revenge. Um, I, you know, just to be embarrassed the way they did at Purdue. Um, Purdue is not is a team that's really firmly fighting to try to make it into the tournament. I think right now they're just out, uh, if I if my memory serves me right. So it's a big win or a big game for both teams. And But Wisconsin's going to have to be better on the boards. They just got just killed on the boards. I think the length of Purdue just gave them fits. You've got Trevion Williams, who's, you know, pushing seven feet. I think he's like 6'10", and Matt Harms who's seven foot three. So they killed them. Evan Boudreaux, I just hope he doesn't do anything in this game uh, after he had like a double-double against them and he just looks like he shouldn't be having a double-double. So um, I think Wisconsin needs to be better on the boards and if they can handle their business there, um, really keep um, the big men out of foul trouble and maybe dictate um, the inside game with getting some fouls on Travion Williams and Matt Harms like they actually did last time they'll be in, in a in a better space because the defensive end was was not good enough against Purdue last time. And I think the the team has come a long way since that point uh, as they were kind of going with through a lot of that turmoil at that point. Most definitely. It was not a, a good time for Wisconsin basketball you know, on the court. And I think that kind of reflected on the court as well in that Purdue game. And, and obviously Mackey Arena is a place that Wisconsin has not played well uh in in quite some time so you kind of expected it but you didn't expect to just get uh out hustled and, and out rebound and just dominated the way they did because it, it was a 70 to 51 loss but it felt a lot worse than what it was and Purdue since then you know Wisconsin's kind of trended back in the right direction that was maybe a low point but was, Purdue has has dropped a little bit you mentioned that they're yeah I think they were the last I looked at the bracketology they were a 10 seed so that if they slip to that 11 line, they'd be in that last four in. So they're they're going to come out and, and know that they need this game. And everybody in the Big Ten needs every game right now. So it's going to be important for Wisconsin to get that one. But thankfully, it's back at home, which has been every team in this conference saving grace for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's been doing really well. They're 11 and 1. They need to continue to maintain uh, that home advantage and went out they've got four of their last six at home that really helps them out in in a in a big 10 race that's really kind of muddied in the middle and really they have a lot of chances here going forward yeah you've got a lot i mean i was looking at the big 10 standings uh eight and six in the conference game behind iowa i guess half a game because that nine and six of of rutgers and iowa which you've got Rutgers and Michigan coming state in, and michigan state yeah so you've got you've got opportunities you've got and you look at you look at Rutgers remaining schedule and Iowa's remaining schedule, they got a, a ton of tough games. So Wisconsin is definitely in the driver's seat to get to that, uh, you know, one of those first four ones, which I think you wrote an article up on Bucky's fifth quarter about how they can maybe get there if, if some things fall, which would be huge for them. Yeah, I got, it should be coming out probably tomorrow. Um, it's getting late today just in order to get that out, but uh, it, it's, it's ready and should be in the hopper tomorrow morning, but it's basically a path to how they, what they need to do to get to that double buy. Um, Wisconsin's been in the top four, you know, from 2001 to 2017, that was just like a fixture. That was what they did. Um, they had a, a quick uh, one year um, go away, but then last year they got back to 
fourth place. I, I think Wisconsin is uniquely positioned to get back there because if you look at the remaining schedules for, for those teams that are in front of them, Iowa, Michigan State, Rutgers, and Illinois, it, it's it's tough. Like they are going up, you know, they've got to each play like um, basically each other. And then they've also got like Maryland, Penn State sprinkled in there. So Wisconsin, on the other hand, is playing all the teams other than Rutgers are below them in the in the current standings and they've got four of those six at home. So I like Wisconsin's chances here if, if they can kind of hold serve at home and maybe split their two road games to, to possibly get up to that four or the, even the three line in the big 10 tournament. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about when you, when you saw where this team was maybe a month ago where things were not going well on or off the court to, and it's not only, it's not only Wisconsin, obviously teams, like Illinois have have had some rough stretches. Michigan State's had some rough stretches to bring them back into it, compounded with Wisconsin winning some games. But they, it's kind of crazy to think that this team has a chance to get into that three four spot after all the turmoil in both phases that, that they've gone through so far this season. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, you you look at all the off the court stuff that's happened. You look at the way they started non con with with three losses to mid-major teams. It, it's it's telling about the grit of this group and kind of the the fortitude that they could bring together and do. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody's been swinging all over the place here. Maryland and Penn State have won their last eight, but then you see Michigan State lost, like I think it was like four out of six or four out of five. You got Illinois who's lost their last four, but then you have Wisconsin or Ohio State and Michigan are all kind of surging as teams coming up as they've, They've each won at least two or three in a row and won like five out of six, uh, at least for Ohio State and Michigan. So things are really just in a fluid state right now. And it's just a matter of seeing what kind of transpires down the stretch. But you have to like Wisconsin's schedule compared to a lot of their counterparts. Yeah, you get you get Purdue, you get Rutgers at home, teams that you, you kind of got beat up. You know, we talked about already on the glass, got kind of beaten up. By that team, if you can get back at home, get things, some things corrected from the last time you played them, and, and put out an effort that you've seen, like they did against you know this Iowa, Ohio State, and, and Nebraska stretch here, the, the, they've got a really good chance. And it's now it's it's finally time for this team to to seize that opportunity and take advantage of it, and hopefully get that uh, crucial top four seed as they head into the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and I mean and it's just nice to have home games against Minnesota and Northwestern in there, you know, because in between those two road games, because that'll help. Uh, I think that Indiana game and the Michigan games on the road are going to be tough, but if they could win one of them, man, oh man, I think they're really set up nicely for, uh, for one of those spots. And I think it would be huge and it would be something I think Greg guard would put a nice little feather in his cap and, and a bow to the fans at that point for everybody who was kind of calling for his uh, job a while ago. Most definitely. We're, we're getting close to these. Obviously, these games down the stretch here are crucial, and we're you know two weeks away from March, and things then really pick up. So it's exciting to see, exciting to look out for, and I, I can't wait to see how this all finishes out because this Big Ten conference has been so fascinating to watch, exciting to watch. 11, you know, 12 teams battling in every night and every night out. So it's going to be a really fun one to touch on down the stretch. Anything else we want to talk about basketball-wise? Otherwise, we'll kick it to a couple quick ads, and then we'll get into some football. Let's talk some football. All righty, guys. We'll get into our defensive line preview. 
exciting stuff. Like we mentioned earlier, an exciting group. But first, we'll kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into it. All right, guys, it's time to talk football. It's an exciting group with this defensive line group that coming into this season, there were a lot of question marks. And now this next season, I don't think you'll have as many. So exciting group, fun to watch. There's some still probably going to be some question marks coming in next season to see how some of these guys grow and develop. But what did you make of the, the 2019 season for the defensive line? And, and what do you maybe expect as we head towards 2020? I thought the defensive line was just so much better. And I think that that was a huge reason for the improvement across the board for the defense. I thought Garrett, getting Garrett ran back uh, was just absolutely monumental. He, he was so good against the run. He's so stout down there, can really hold the point of attack. You got Matt Heddingson, who, who really added some good weight, really showed some more explosiveness this year. Seemed like he was actually knowing what he was supposed to do instead of being, you know, the walk on redshirt freshman who was just kind of thrown in there because he's a brainiac, but he, he really uh, played extremely well and had some splash plays. Um, and then you also, obviously Isaiah Loudermilk's a freaking tank. He's so big, uh, six, seven, 300 pounds. So those three are a really good rotation at the defensive end spot. And then I thought the ins- inside, I thought Keanu Benton's like the team MVP for, for the defense in a lot of ways, just because of the ways he came out and, and helped them out when, Bryson Williams got hurt. He played so well, and it was such a, a needed position that they've struggled with um, with depth. And for them now to have first year is, is really a, a change because Wisconsin's really struggled with getting that nose position or nose tackle position, um, some depth, and not having to slide a guy like uh, Garrett Rand, who's undersized into that role, is uh, a huge step for this program because if they can continue to keep that nose tackle two, possibly three deep. Um, I think two is probably about as good as you're going to get, but two deep, they're, they're in a good place. Yeah, they definitely are. You know, Keanu Benton jumped onto the scene, and they talked about him a little bit in fall practice, given, he, but he was still a freshman, given his wrestling background and his size. They, they thought he was pretty physical coming into camp, but Bryson Williams was still the guy, and Bryson Williams is still an exciting prospect. He battled through a lot of injuries, but a – highly recruited player out of Nebraska, you know, taken from Scott Frost's backyard to come to Madison. There's still a lot of excitement with him. And by no means is, are you going to look past a kid like that? Because he was penciled in as the guy before injuries happened. And thankfully Benton jumped onto the scene, but now you've got options. You've got guys where maybe you can rotate in based on their skill set, and you've got depth, which Wisconsin historically on the defensive line, if there's one position that, Wisconsin is not really hammered home with with stars. It's it's probably the defensive line or the, or the secondary. Wisconsin always turns out really talented linebackers, but that's a position where they not necessarily have recruited poorly, but they just haven't had a a superstar consistently that would make a big difference. And I don't think this any of this group is necessarily a superstar, but they're quality guys at all three positions, which is going to be huge for this team down the road as as they replace some guys at linebacker with some new faces to have a solid defensive line coming into this year is going to be really important. Yeah. I think, I think they're a big reason for the, the pass rush uh, improvement because they were able to kind of eat up some blockers and allow guys like Chris or like Zach Bond to get to the quarterback. And, and you saw the year before that, when the, the, defensive line was decimated they they weren't able to get that same pressure they weren't able to eat up a couple blockers and allow those 
linebackers to run free. But I think next year we're going to see probably not the same explosive playmakers uh, in terms of the linebacker position with with the loss of Bond particularly. I think Leo Chanel is going to step in for Chris Orr uh, pretty nicely in a lot of ways. They're going to be very different players. The leadership role won't be there, but just uh, his dynamic ability will be there. But I think because their defensive line is going to be better, another year stronger, even more depth, because you saw a guy like Isaiah Williams didn't even play much this year, but he's somebody that Jim Leonard has raved about and Noke Brechterfield has raved about. So they've got guys in the wings ready to play, but they're not being able to play because they've got so much talent uh, ahead of them, and it's going to open up those lanes for the linebackers, and I think it's going to help um, the pass rush in a lot of ways kind of make up for, hey, Zach Bond isn't here. Here's our be- He was our best pass rushing guy, but they're going to still have the avail- availability to do it because of how good that D-line is going to be. Yeah, this group is going to be exciting, and you can rotate in. You know, Rand is just a physical beast, and Loudermilk is – a mammoth of a man and, and strong. Both of those guys are going to be great. But then you talk about guys like Matt Henningsen, who coming into this season was was looked at as maybe a, as a rotation guy to to work in when those guys were were needing a blow. But he made a huge impact on this team and made some big plays. And so it's going to be exciting to see a guy like that get more reps and get worked in as a a focal point for this defensive line and. And you look at other guys like Boyd Dietzen and guys like that that you maybe don't know right now, but at that those defensive end positions are going to be important and to have depth because you've you've had Garrett Rand and his Isaiah Loudermilk injuries in the past. To have depth at those positions is going to be huge when you already have some defensive question marks in that linebacker position. Maybe not so much at cornerback and, and safety, but to have familiar faces at those crucial positions coming into this spring ball is going to be really exciting to see for, for, for the first time in, in quite some time. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't expect any of these guys to be the next JJ Watt or anything like that, but I mean, you've got you at last year, the, that group of Rand Henningsen, Loudermilk, um, Benton, they, they got, they uh, accounted for 10 sacks and that's not usually a stat that the defensive line brings just because of the scheme that Wisconsin deploys with the three, four, they're, they're not usually called upon to, to get that pressure to really be the guys who are going to get sacks, but for them to get 10, it's pretty telling about how, how good I think this group could be next year. And I thought Matt Henningsen just, he has plays with such a good motor four sacks last year. And then he had those three fumble recoveries and, and, obviously that it was an interception or then they turned it into a fumble recovery and two touchdowns. I mean, he, he had a hell of a year and I I'm just really excited about this group because I actually think this is probably going to be the, the strength of the defense is going to be the defensive line. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you look at the group having familiar names, guys that you've seen consistently played well this past season is really going to be crucial. And I'm, I'm excited to see those guys, and I'm excited to see what another year in the Jim Leonard system, healthy, you know, working working in these new roles. I'm excited to see what these guys can do and, and how they can open it up for those new faces at the linebacker position because two years ago, the sacks dropped off completely, and that was pretty indicative of not necessarily the defensive line not playing well, but just not getting enough push not opening up enough gaps to, for the linebackers to get through. And Jim Leonard's system works 
so crucially on that as as the defensive line taking on blockers and making just kind of wreaking havoc to allow Zach Vaughn and those guys to get through. And I'm excited to see the physical beasts that they, they've got on this line, what they can do to help open up holes for maybe linebackers that aren't experienced as much, but they really just need to find the gap and, and find the man and, and hit and make plays. And that makes it so much easier at that linebacker position if you've got holes that are just opening up for you to get to the quarterback or, or running backs and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you follow Bill Connolly with the S&P Plus, but Wisconsin right now is projected to be the number four defense for next year. Um, and I think and, and expected because of the returning production that they have, which is a lot, um, that they're going to be the fourth best defense. And I think that's pretty telling about where this team is and what they're bringing back. And I think a big reason for it is the defensive line where they're, they're stacked up. And I really like some of the younger guys who are, um, you know, just getting into the weight room, getting in there. And that's when Wisconsin can really uh, can can move things forward across the defensive line because it hasn't been a strength for them for a while. But they'll have bodies that guys who are going to be able to develop and sit in the wings before they're actually called upon to be out there and play, um, where we know that that's worked so well on the Wisconsin offensive line with the development to be able to now kind of get that where you've got some guys who have been your consistent starters and so you're going to have guys who are going to be sliding in there into those no roles. It's going to help them out mightily uh, going forward. For sure. What do you make of, is there anybody that's maybe not, not well known? I know the defensive line wasn't a huge focus in this recruiting class, landed three guys in, in you know, Cade McDonald, Aaron Witt, and blanking on the third, James Thompson Jr. Yep. out of Cincinnati, landed three guys. When you look at the recruiting class, there's some other names that jump off, but what do you make of uh, those three? Have you looked at a lot of tape on them? Because I haven't seen a lot from those three uh, when we were doing our recruiting stuff. You know, I, I remember when we talked to Alan, he, he's been big on uh, the development of James Thompson and, and what he could be. Um, he, he's a really good athlete, 6'5", 250. He's just kind of growing into his body. Um, I know he was kind of undersized before, but he's he's really grew a lot here lately. I think he's a guy who kind of follows that same mold of, OK, he's going to be in the weight room for a few years. But, man, he could he could really be somebody moving on. Um, Aaron Witt, I don't, I don't know if he's going to go at, at outside linebacker or mm-hmm. um, DN just because his body type is kind of, you know, fringy. So it'll depend on his weight room. But I actually really like Cade McDonald. I thought his tape was really good. I always like it when they get a guy coming from camp where they've kind of seen him. They've seen what he can do up against their best defensive, or I mean, offensive lineman. And I know they threw at camp, they threw everybody at him trying to see what he could do. And I think, I think he's a guy, when you look at his size, 6'7", 250, 260, and he's already on campus, he's a guy that I doubt he plays next year. But it wouldn't be surprised me as if he's somebody who jumps in and is in the rotation as a redshirt freshman um, just because he's on campus early, is able to get in the weight room, already good size, really good athlete. Um, I think he's a guy to kind of look out for out of this group. Yeah, I would agree with you. Being on campus right away helps. And when you've already got a six seven frame to build on, you know, the same height as Isaiah Loudermilk, but 40 pounds lighter. But when you get into that weight room at Wisconsin, you're you're already banking on on putting on 20, 25 pounds, you know, early on. You can you can put that weight on pretty quick. And when you get in the weight room, get on the diet and the programs that they've got. So if you can develop him into you know a, a physical specimen that he already kind of has, if you can just keep that developing, 
his game tape shows you know some strong tendencies and some strong traits. So I think if you know with Wit, like you mentioned, being a fringe guy could maybe be an outside linebacker guy. McDonald's definitely a, a name to watch as this class develops, and thankfully they've got the depth with the guys that'll be out there next year where they don't have to worry about rushing some of these guys along because that makes a big difference when you when you've got to throw guys out there that aren't ready. It really hurts their development, hurts their preparedness. Maybe they don't know the full extent of the playbook and are just trying to keep their head above water. If you know you don't have that pressure of being thrown in there before you're ready, you can really develop into a strong player early on in your career. Yeah, and I think Gio Paez and Rodas Johnson and will definitely kind of reap some of those benefits. Boyd Dietzen, uh, Isaiah Mullins, I think those guys are, are, are key guys that are going to be able to make an impact. You see some of them. Isaiah Mullins has already got the size. Boyd Dietzen is getting there. So I think they, they're going to really benefit from this year in the weight room to just get their mind, body, playbook down uh, to be ready for when their time is called. Because I think Mullins will probably see a little bit of time next year. I know he played in a lot of special teams. So I think they're really set up nicely for the future. Yes, I would agree with you. It's a group, you know, we've hit on it a couple times already. Wisconsin on the defensive line has had names and in, in guys that have played well that have maybe been thrown into roles, but they haven't necessarily had, you know, superstars or dominating guys. Like I think you'll have a little bit more of that from this group at both the end position. And then again, the nose tackle position, I don't think anybody expected Keanu Benton to be where he's at right now and then you've got a returning face of Bryson Williams so those two can really do some damage up the middle and I'm excited to see those two kind of battle it out because they'll rotate in you know nose tackle Benton's definitely a run stuffer you know, Williams is a little lighter where he can get after the you know the quarterback and pass situations if he has to but again that nose tackle position isn't going to be one where they're relied on too much to do that they're just going to be relied on to to take on as many blockers as guys as they can. And they're both pretty strong in that regard to be exciting to set set this defensive up for some serious success, starting from that that middle focal point and, and work its way out. Yeah. And I mean, if you project even two years out, because, you know, Loudermilk and Rand are going to be seniors next year. But then, I mean, you've got still Henningsen for for another year after that. So he'll he'll be probably penciled in to be a starter. But I would I would have to imagine that you might see a little bit of um, Bryson Williams playing a little D end mm-hmm. to, at, at times because Benton was so strong in the inside. Um, and, you know, a lot can happen with the development of some of the younger guys that we've been talking about. But just the the luxury to be able to move that around and try to get your best three out there um, will be crucial. And I'm, I'm just I think. I think this is the group that has the the most potential um, on the defense, just because uh, at least right now, I think the outside linebackers and inside linebackers are are always going to be your your top of the board guys. But I think there's a lot to work with going forward for this group, and a big reason to be excited um, because they it has been an overlooked position for a while here at Wisconsin. Most definitely, I mean Benton is a guy that not he didn't jump off to just ever, ever you know just. Badger, you know, us guys and, and people around the Wisconsin program, there were guys who were working for ESPN and raving about his game when they were calling it and, you know, and commenting on it. So it's not just a, a small sample size and small bubble that's excited about him. There's, you know, correspondence around, uh, you know, Big Ten media that, that he turned heads with. So this group's going to be exciting. It starts in there and then it starts with Rand and, and Loudermilk on the outside. But to 
essentially have the three guys that you played with most all season and then sprinkle in some other guys that were big rotation guys back to have all your familiar faces back is going to be huge. And I think this, this group is, is really going to be exciting one. I think this defense is going to be really exciting starting from the front to back. You've got experience littered at each position and each level. And I, I just can't wait to see what Jim Leonard does with a group like this after Maybe there's not the superstars of Zach Bond and Chris Orr, but there's guys that are going to be, you know, midway through next year. You're going to say, man, this kid is talented. This kid is really playing well. And I'm just excited to see this cohesive group work as a whole. Yeah. So here, quick question. Do you do you see, I mean, depending upon obviously their senior year, do you think Rand and Loudermilk could be guys that could have a chance in the league like to, to make a roster in the NFL? I think the only thing that I would worry about with those two is, is the speed. But when you look at Loudermilk at six seven and the size that he's got, there's there's no doubt that if you can if you can work him into a proper role that he could he could make it. I just don't know if if they've got that NFL speed and quickness off the line that you look for, especially if you're looking at a defensive end that's a edge guy. So I I think it's going to probably take some development this year, but. Who knows? You could come out this year and, and see another step out of both of those guys, and, and all of a sudden they jump off as as prospects and develop higher. I mean, Zach Vaughn coming into this season, Chris Orr coming into the season, there were some question marks, and now those guys are, you know, Vaughn is, is projecting really well in terms of NFL, and, and Orr is creeping up. So I think this last year will really benefit them as they try to draw some more attention and, and eyes on them. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think they both got, have a shot. I think Rand would probably be better fitted as a, a defensive tackle in, in a 4-3. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be huge for him to possibly slide into that. And I think he's going to really take a nice leap after – you even saw as the season wore on, he actually played better towards the end as he was kind of distancing himself from that knee in, or uh, Achilles injury. But then I think Loudermilk is going to have to be a 3-4 a, a guy So because just because of his size, you don't uh, traditionally have guys his size uh, in that – uh, 4-3 um, as much uh, on the outside as a D-end without having some like crazy explosiveness. So right. I think I think if we see development, like you said, that they, they each have a shot, it's just going to be a matter of putting it all together. And, and I don't see either of them to being like, hey, I'm going to be a, a day one pick, but you never sure. know. You yeah, know, I think exactly. I think Loudermilk probably has the biggest potential to be a day one guy if if like he makes a huge leap and, and does some crazy stuff next year. Absolutely. Anything else to touch on with the defensive line? Otherwise, we'll wrap up another podcast, and we'll be with you guys again later in the week. No, I think I think we hit, hit that all. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Like I said, we will be back later in the week. That knocked out our defensive line. So I think we've covered every position on defense. We've still got uh, the wide receiver group to talk about. You know, We kind of mixed it up. Uh, and bounced around so you guys weren't hearing about just one you know one side of the football every time Uh, so we've got that we've got some coaches stuff and special teams to maybe go over so plenty of stuff to talk about still in the football realm I know we're still a ways away but uh, it's creeping closer and and we've got a a talented basketball team that looks like it's going to be in the uh, in the big dance come March so plenty of stuff to fill some time in this uh, late February lull that sometimes you can run into but thank you guys again for listening make sure to rate review and subscribe as always on wisconsin